Sounded like we had even the angels on that one. Thank you. Our scripture lesson comes to us from John chapter 20, beginning at verse 1, and then verses 11 through 18. Hear the good news of the gospel. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they've taken away my Lord. I I do not know where they've laid him. When she'd said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you've carried him away, Tell me where you've laid him, and I'll, I'll take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, because I've not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. The word of the Lord. We pray, O God, that through your Holy Spirit, you would also startle us with your word, with more hope than we know. In the Savior's name, amen. Easter's not exactly subtle. Churches all across the country yesterday, they blew out their budgets, putting up big banners saying he's risen, upgrading the bulletins, renting brass ensembles, and lots and lots of lilies. (laughs) Every preacher who climbed behind a pulpit yesterday tried so hard to come up with a powerful sermon. It's Easter. We do a lot in the liturgy like we did when we started here with the pastor saying, Jesus Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Lots of exclamation points. It's all very big. The interesting thing is the way the story of Easter is written in the Gospels, it's really not so big. Certainly not in the gospel according to John. There's no tada in here. There's just some confusion and some quiet weeping. Mary Magdalene was the one to first discover that the tomb of Jesus was empty. So she ran to tell the disciples. The disciples run to the tomb to see for themselves. And then the text says they, they went home. Yes, it's empty. Let's go home. 
It's, it's very odd. Mary doesn't do that. She stays at the tomb and continues to quietly weep. Two angels ask her why she is weeping. She says, they've, they've taken my Lord's body. I don't know where they've laid it. But the angels don't say a word to her about the resurrection. And then she turns around and she sees a stranger who she assumes is the gardener. Well, that's it. No trumpets or kettle drums, just some confusion, some weeping, and a stranger. Back in Galilee, back when Jesus was popular, back when Jesus cured and healed Mary from her tortured soul, she had developed some expectations of Jesus. I don't know what they were, but I know she was not expecting to be at his tomb in Jerusalem. We do know that later she calls him Rabboni. Well, maybe that's her expectation, that Jesus, her rabbi, will teach her in the ways of salvation. We all have expectations. We all approached Holy Week clear about some expectations of Jesus, and they may be different. Maybe like Mary, you're also drawn to Jesus the rabbi. Maybe that's why you came here, to study about Jesus, from Jesus. You think this greater theology will give you a better understanding of the God with us. Or maybe you're drawn to Jesus the healer, healer of our sin-sick souls, healer of our broken societies. Or maybe you speak more personally about a time when you invited Jesus into your heart. And you talk, you talk often about how much you love Jesus and how overwhelmed you are by his love for you. Or maybe the Jesus that you expect and work with and know best is the one who provides a sense of calling and what you came here for was not just to know stuff about Jesus, but you wanted a call. You wanted to use your life for something that would make a difference. Jesus the caller is what you're drawn to. Or maybe everything that we've learned about Jesus is all that's needed for you as a base, as a foundation for ideology or social critique. There's, there's certainly more than one way to tell the gospel story. What do you do on the day that the story to which you've been devoted starts to unravel? When the theology that you've worked so hard to develop is so severely challenged that it begins to slip right through your fingers? Or when Jesus, your personal savior, has seemed distant for a long time, and your prayer life has absolutely dried up. Or when Jesus, the caller, calls you to a place you'd rather not go. If it's the gospel story that you've been telling yourself and others, it has to have a good Friday. There has to be some point in the story where all seems to be lost for you. What do you do on that day. 
Well, Mary Magdalene seems to have the best response. She doesn't just start running around like the disciples. She, she stays at the tomb. She stays with her sadness and her disappointment until Easter can find her. And the risen Savior, the one who appeared as a stranger to Mary, calls her by name, and he says, Mary, that's all he says, Mary. I love this part of the story. She doesn't recognize her Savior, who's a stranger, but he knows her so well. Mary. Now, the next thing that happens in the story really surprises me. I would have expected at this point that there would have been a huge embrace with lots of tears and laughter. And Jesus then saying to Mary, hey, round up the gang. We're going back to Galilee. We're getting out of this awful place. But that's not what happened. When Mary finally recognizes the stranger, she calls him Rabboni, and she reaches for him, and what does Jesus say to her? Don't cling to me. Whoa. What about the hug and the tears? Don't cling to me. Why? Because it's core to the Easter message. Easter says, Whatever expectations you've had of Jesus, they are limited. Don't cling to them. Your expectations are merely a way of trying to capture, trying to limit Jesus. And in time, these expectations will go to a tomb. They will die. Don't cling to a dead Jesus. He's not just the rabbi. He's not just a theology of the atonement. He's not just the one who, by grace, has saved you from your sins and your separation from God. He's not just that. He's not just the healer of your souls or the soul of the country, the world. He's not just what you have on your affirmation of faith. He's not just the source of your politics or the reason that you work so hard for social justice. He's all of those things, but not just any of them. Not just all of them put together. He is so much more than that, and every time we limit Jesus to our expectations, we try to get him back in the tomb, and Easter makes it clear, Jesus doesn't like tombs. <laughs> He's not gonna stay there. He is the resurrection and the life. How are you gonna cling to that? Our hope is not that we can get a firm enough grasp on Jesus. Our hope is how firm his grasp is upon us. That's why he's the savior. After Easter, you don't know, any day you could also encounter the stranger who's there to reveal more of the God in Christ than you know. That's why Easter is core to our hope. 
That's why it is our source of delight. It's even why occasionally we gotta, we gotta use a trumpet. 